you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube. Okay, let's get into Matthew chapter 4. All right, so we've been, uh, all summer, we've been looking at different passages from the Gospels. And today, it was really interesting during the week, I had two different, uh, one a text and one a phone call that were parallel to what we're going to be talking about here. But, of course, these are, are the verses that at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, after he was baptized by John in the Jordan River and the Holy Spirit came upon him, which was the beginning of his real messianic ministry, uh, he was, the Bible says, he was led by the Holy Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Okay, The reason for that is because, and I, boy, I'll try to, I'm just going to try to give you just a couple paragraphs of background here. So when Adam and Eve were set in the garden, God gave them dominion over the earth. That meant he shared his authority. He partnered with them. They were his representatives in the earth to protect it, to, to be, go into all the world, be fruitful, and, and multiply it. And that did not just speak of having lots of children. There, there's a whole, it, it speaks of building communities. It speaks, speaks of everything that comes out of that. And that was all supposed to be done within the scope of who God is and his desire and his will and his purpose for the earth. Well, we know that when Adam and Eve sinned, we know that Satan showed up in the garden and he tempted them. And he tempted them with, with there were several, uh, several aspects, really, to what we read in Genesis. It was very, you know, very short sentences. But there were several aspects to that, and they failed that test. And in doing that, they essentially obeyed the devil instead of obeying God, and they turned their dominion that God had given them over to the devil. And that's why he is at times called the God of this world. That is why until Jesus came, and went to that cross as our Messiah, and the keys of death, hell, and the grave, right, were given to him. He rose from the dead, and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now you go, church, you go. And he delegated that authority back to the church going forward until he returns. So, when he came and when he appeared on the earth as Messiah, he had to pass the same test that Adam failed. He had to pass the same test that Israel failed a number of times. He had to, he had to have victory in those same temptations. And that's what was going on here. So the picture is not that, well, if you get filled with the Holy Spirit, God's going to lead you into the desert to be tempted by the devil. The picture is, this is, is a place where there is a stamp of authority and approval and authenticity. That's the word I'm looking for. On Jesus Christ as Messiah because he came out of this temptation victorious. But I want, what I want us to look at is how he did that today. And so let's go ahead and, and let's just read some of these verses. I'll begin in uh, verse 1. And um, let's see, I'm going to read from the New King James uh, this morning. So Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry, I guess. Now when the, and, the, and actually that word hungry right there, it, in, the, in the Greek it means he was at the point of starvation. Okay, he, he was hungry, all right? Now, when the tempter came, that's kind of interesting. It's a, it's, that, is a, that is a proper name used of the devil right there, the tempter. Okay? He's called the accuser. He's called the liar, the father of lies. He's got a lot of great titles, but the tempter came to him. He said, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every Word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's a quote from Scripture. 
So Jesus said, when the temptation came, Jesus spoke the word to the tempter. All right, he spoke the word. He took the word of God and spoke it out of his own mouth. And that's how he overcame every one of these temptations. Says, then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. So here the devil quotes. This this just boggles my mind. So we tend to give Satan all of this. We, we give the devil, we blow the devil's power and authority up in a ridiculous way. A lot of people think he's on the same level as God. It's God and the devil, and which one's going to win? He's never been on the same level as God. He's never even been close to the same level as God. If you, if you read through uh, the Bible, it, it's very clear that Satan was an angel, a created being. All right, he was an angel, and his name was Lucifer. And at a point, he decided that he could overthrow God. And he took a third of the angels with him and went to overthrow God. And of course, God cast him down to the earth. I mean, there was no chance he was going to overthrow God, but he was that arrogant and that prideful. And so he was cast down. He's an angel. The Bible tells us that angels were created to be ministering servants to the heirs of salvation. They're actually, they're created beings and they're actually essentially created on a, a, actually a lower um, level or category than human beings. Human beings are children of God. Angels look into our salvation. They're amazed by it. Okay, so so it's a it's a whole different thing. But he is a created being. He is and and here his great plan was to come to the living Word of God and misquote Scripture and try and tempt him. You know that was never going to make it. That was never going to happen. But that was his great plan. I just say that to say. Man, when, you are, when you've got an attack against your life, recognize you stand in a position as a child of God. You are washed in the blood of the Lamb. You have been given authority over the devil. Jesus made it so clear. You do not have to put up with demonic attack against your life. And, and one of the ways, and the primary way, that we fight those battles is just like Jesus did. We take the word of God. What has God promised? What has he said? And we do something with it. We don't just know it. We don't just read it and, okay, I feel a little better. No, no, no. We speak it. We declare it. We Anyway, I, we'll get into more of that in a little bit. I, I can't stay there this morning. But that's the point, is the word of God is powerful. It is a sword in our hand, but a sword's only good if we use it. Does that make sense to you? Okay, so if you're the son of God, throw yourself down for it's written, he shall give his angels charge over you and in their hands, they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Now, it's out of Psalm 91. Jesus said to him, it's written again. So here again, he just quotes the scripture back. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up to an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Now, no doubt that was a lie because the devil is a liar that he would give those kingdoms. But that's an evidence right there that it wouldn't be a temptation if he didn't have the power to do it. It's because at this point, before Jesus went to the cross, Satan still held this authority that had been given him by Adam. And God created, and I don't have much time to talk about this morning, but God created this whole system of worship for Israel and for other nations that could come and be a part of Israel, a system of worship, a system of sacrifice. He gave them the law. We saw it, was that just last week, as a protection uh, over them. He, gave, he, he provided a place for them to get from the garden to the cross, to get from Abraham to the cross. He provided, he was there, okay? But mankind had given the authority that had been delegated to them over to the devil. He had a, a lot more access and authority then. Now, we have been given that authority and the devil doesn't have, not only does he have no right 
in your life. He doesn't have a right to be whispering in your ear in the middle of the night. He doesn't have a right to be tempting you and drawing you into sin. He doesn't have a right, but he doesn't have any authority in this earth unless we give it to him by agreeing with him. And that's why it gets to be so important. Uh, You know, I don't know what examples to use. When we start to use our mouths to repeat with faith what the devil is saying, well, you know, my kids are probably all just going to end up drug addicts. You probably never say that. But I mean, you know, when we start agreeing with the devil, yeah, this economy is just so terrible, man. Nobody can get a job. There's no housing. There's just nothing available in Ghana. There's no way people can survive. There's no way this can happen. There's no way that can happen. Instead of taking the word of God which says you have favor, you have God's, God's favor, his, his uh, blessing is upon your hands that you take Psalm 91 and you say, you know what? Yeah, I'm going out there on the road and it's insane out there, but you know what? The angels of God have charge over me to keep me in all of my ways. I will not be involved in accidents. I will be a spectator and I will be a help in those situations because they surround me. I'm not afraid of the arrow that flies by night. I'm not afraid. You know, we take the word of God, but you can't just think it. You need to speak it. You need to pray it. You need to pray it out. We're declaring what God has already said in the earth. Okay, We're not trying to twist God's arm. We're not trying to manipulate him. He already said it. It is okay with God if you agree with him. It is. It is okay. Sometimes people feel like, oh, it's arrogant to say something like that. No, it's not. God said it. I believe it. He meant it. He didn't give us those promises because he didn't mean them. Okay, let's, let's try and stay on track here. So, where were we? Uh, You shall not attempt the uh, Lord your God. And again, the devil took him. Oh yeah, I already said this. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And then the devil left him and behold, the angels came and ministered to him. And Luke, in his account of this, says the devil left him for looking for a more opportune time. Uh, I believe he never found a more opportune. What opportune time is he going to find? You know, there isn't going to be an opportune time with Jesus, but he left him. But But that tells us something that he is tenacious. He will continue to try to do whatever we let him do. He will continue to press his losing battle. He's, he's not going to quit, but you can stop him. You can stop him in your life and the lives of people around him. Does that, around you, does that make sense to you? Okay, so each of these temptations were designed to draw Jesus one way or another out of faith in the Father, out of his assignment, out of his role, and into uh, self-effort, misuse of his anointing, that kind of thing. So we'll just go go through them real uh, quickly. So the first thing is, and we've seen this before, he did the same thing in the garden. He starts each of these temptations with, if you are, right? If you're the son of God. In other words, if what God said is true, what he said to Adam and Eve was, did God really say that you couldn't, and then he and they turned it into a lie that you couldn't eat from any of the trees in the garden. And, and Eve came back, right? She said, no, he didn't say that. He said, we can't eat from the one tree. Okay. But, but it starts out with, if, if you are, if this is really, if this scripture is really true about you, then why is this happening? Okay. If this, if God really means that, then why, why did this happen over here? He'll lead you to believe that God had some, some reason for something happening that had nothing to do with with God instituting or or uh, initiating something going on, you know. But it's it's if you are if the word is true if you're really a child of God, how did you how did you fall into that? How did you do that? It'll bring accusation, right? And he'll start out with that. But if we don't deal well with the if you are, okay, then he'll come back with. A, a direct contradiction to whatever the word of God says. And that's what he did with Adam and Eve. He came back with uh, 
He said, you know, if you are, or did God really say, and then he came right back and he said, no, you won't really die if you believe me. You won't really die. What God said is a lie. He'll do the same thing with us. He'll start out with these niggling questions, but he will eventually go to direct contradiction of what the word of God says. So we need to deal with it at the if you are stage. Okay, We need to go right back to him with what the word of God says at the if you are stage. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Okay, that's what the scripture says. All right, so we got to manage the, the did God say part. So the first temptation he brought to Jesus appealed to his flesh. He was starving. Turn these, use your power for a self-centered reason. Turn these stones into loaves of bread so you can eat. So one of the, one of the temptations that, that the devil does bring to people is to the flesh, to the, to the strong appetites of the flesh. So it's, it's, it is food and drink. It is safety and protection. It is sexual desire. Those different things that come from our flesh are places that the devil will use to try and draw us out of confidence in God. Okay? Strong, there are strong instincts in a mother and a father to take care of their children. And so maybe the maybe the devil would come in and tempt you to separate yourself from the body of Christ, to put your work before um before your relationship with the Lord, to uh, be laying awake in fear at night. I mean, there's a lot of ways this could go, but it, but it pulls on something on the inside of you to pull you into fear, to pull you into trusting yourself, pull you into self-effort, pull you into misusing your authority in Christ. And that's what he was doing. It would have been wrong for Jesus, not only... You know, he was there too fast until the father said differently. So it would have been wrong for him to use his power to manipulate that and move outside of that. Okay, the second temptation was for Jesus simply to step outside of his lane, to step outside of his anointing and the plan of God for him as Messiah. He, he told him, you know, force the father's hand. Okay, throw yourself off. God said this, he'll, he'll catch you throw yourself off. Prove it. Prove God. So that, that would be drawing us into a place where we're saying, we're usually, and I've seen people kind of in this realm, they were angry about something that had gone wrong in their life. And so they went to this place of, find God. I did it your way. It didn't work. Now I'm going to do this and just see if you step in, that kind of thing. It's essentially tempting God, it's testing God, it's saying, man, if you're good for your word, then, you know, I'm going to, it's that kind of attitude. Does that, does that make sense to you? So, you know, it was, it, he was asking Jesus, demonstrate that you're the Messiah, demonstrate that God's word is true for you, right? And the third one was an appeal to fallen human nature, okay? To, he was saying, exchange a lifestyle of worshiping God for things of the world, for power, for recognition, for wealth, whatever it might be. Exchange the role that you have in worshiping the Lord. Exchange it for this. Okay, it was that, it was that kind of temptation. So Jesus in all of this never prayed, Father, take this temptation away from me. Okay, he never prayed that. He instead took the word of God and directly, directly addressed what the lie was, what the temptation was. He didn't say, take this away. Okay, the scripture tells us that when we're tempted, we're not tempted with anything that isn't common to man, number one. And God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are already capable of dealing with. How does that work? Well, as we grow in the Lord, he, he trains us up as disciples. He gives us more of his word. He, he pour, we get filled with the Holy Spirit. He gives us grace. He gives us power. He gives us insight. He gives us those things. And as we grow, we are supposed to be able to draw in his strength and resist 
the things that come against us and against people around us. We're not here for just us in our lives. All right? So Jesus did not pray. And I want you to think about this because I know sometimes we, we move into this and we say, Lord, you just have to take this out of my life. And many times um, it's something we are doing or we have invited into our life and we're saying, Lord, take this out of our life instead of us standing up and resisting whatever that is, us standing up in the authority and the word of God and resisting whatever that thing is. You know, I I remember uh, our pastor talking about a situation where somebody came and they wanted them to to pray over them um, to cast uh, the devil out of them in this certain area. And, And we believe in that. But in this, you know, their response was, you know, you can't cast out the flesh. This is just your flesh that's leading you down this road. This isn't, this isn't the devil. He may take advantage of your flesh, but we need to stand up. We can, we can be strengthened. Okay, we can stand up. It is our role to stand up. Okay, so as born again, spirit-filled people, when we run into things in our own lives or others, our prayer is not, Father, take it away. It's, Father, what do you want me to do in this situation? What's my role? What's my role? And Lord, I need to know, what does your word say about the situation? What is my prayer and declaration to be in this situation? Because sometimes we don't know. But the Holy Spirit will bring the scripture to your mind. He will bring what he has spoken to your mind. And when he does that, just know it's not just there to make you feel better. It's not just, it does that, and that's wonderful, but it's not just there. It is there as a weapon, and that's how Jesus used it. That's exactly what Jesus did, all right? And, and Hebrews uh, 4, 15, 16, it tells us that he was tempted in every single way that you and I can possibly be tempted, but, but without sin. In other words, he didn't fall for it. He didn't go into it. We can live that same way, and and I, and I don't I don't want any of this to. It's not to condemn anybody to put anybody down. We all struggle with stuff, okay? But I do want you to know that God has strength for you. I want you to know that it is our responsibility as His people in the earth to stand up to what the devil is trying to do in our lives, in our families, in our town, in our world. And, and to do something with the word that God has given us. So let's go back to verse 4. Are you still with me? Let's go back to verse 4 and let's look at this. And this is where I want to focus. Jesus answered that first temptation by saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So in that, he establishes One thing he does there is he establishes the supremacy and priority of our spiritual life over our natural life. Okay, God cares about our natural life. Jesus made that really clear. But your spiritual life, you are a living spirit. You have a soul. You're housed in a body. All right. The body, you'll get a new one. Okay. At the resurrection, you'll get a a new one. But, But you're, you're, primary life is your spirit man, is who you are, as an eternal life that is on the inside of you. And the scripture tells us, Jesus said here, man does not live just by natural food, by natural nourishment. And that can mean food. It can mean that type of thing. It can also mean um, things that, that build our, you know, things that satisfy in our natural life. Don't live just by that. He says we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And when he uses this word live and the associated words that are used without, throughout the scripture, that word life or live, what he's talking about there, it is a, it's the Greek word zoe. It is the life as God has it. It is, it is an eternal life. It is the foundational, principle, real, spiritual life from which biological life comes. Okay, so it is, the, it is spiritual life on the inside of you. And he's saying here that life on the inside of you actually needs spiritual nourishment. 
And that spiritual nourishment is contained in the word of God. So we, you know, we use these terms. We need to feed on the word of God. It strengthens our spirit man. The word of God strengthens our spirit man. It releases faith into our hearts. It transforms our soul. It makes our soul, our our mind, our emotions, and our will to be more like Jesus. The word of God is alive and powerful. It is full of God's life. It is a container of God's life. And, And we need to approach it that way and realize, so it's not just words on a page or it's not just hearing a good message. It's not contained within those things. There is life for us. And we can tell our spirit will leap when God brings the scripture alive to us. And various verses, you all know how this is. You'll be reading your Bible and man, one will just, you know, it's the ones you have highlighted in your Bible. And we end up with the whole Bible highlighted and we have to get a new Bible, you know. But God breathes on those specific words. There is life. There is life for our spirit man in those words. Now here Jesus uses the word when he says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We've talked about this a lot. There is the word, the Greek word logos is the big overview. It's everything God has said. All right, we've talked about that. And then there's the Greek word rhema, which speaks of the word God is speaking right now. It is the, it is the, the right now word from God's heart to yours. And that is what Jesus, that's the word Jesus uses here. We live by every word that is proceeding, is the way this is written in the original language, from the mouth of God. So what God is speaking to you, what he's highlighting to you, what he's impressing on your heart, there is spiritual life for you in that word. All right? So just like if you were really hungry and you were going by and somebody laid out you know, a, a table and there was food there and it was for you, you'd stop and eat the food. You wouldn't just say, man, that is good looking food. I'm really excited about that food. That's awesome. No, no. You stop and you actually take it in. That's what we need to do as God breathes into each one of us. And this is why it's important that we have time with God. So throughout the New Testament, we have this word rhema used to speak about that God breathed personal right now flowing immediately out of God's heart word that is given to each of us. Jesus says, that we live from that. The God kind of life comes into us from that, okay? And and then we look at what he did here. And he took this, this passage, this verse out of the scripture, and he spoke it out of his lips back to the one who was tempting him, back to the attacker, back to the accuser. He spoke it. This is what, this is how Jesus overcame temptation. All right. So jump with me over to Ephesians chapter six and let's look at the spiritual armor that we have. You guys still awake? Good deal. Ephesians chapter six. We're not going to do an extensive, you know, study here. This is going to be Brief, but I want us to look at this because we need to see. Boy, if I could hit the right button on my iPad, life would be really, really good. Ephesians, chapter 6. All right. Um, We're going to start in verse 10. Familiar verses, but I want you to really think about this in the context we're talking about. The devil himself who we hardly ever meet, by the way. There there are demon spirits, you know, but we hardly ever are face-to-face with Satan. But anyway, the devil himself is tempting Jesus. A lot of things Jesus could have done, but what he did was speak the word. Why? Because the Bible tells us in many ways and in many places we can draw strength from the word and it is part of our spiritual armor. It is the sword of the Spirit. So let's start here in verse 10, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. And it says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And this is, I realize we're, we don't have all this on your screen. Okay. Be strong in the Lord. 
fact, I'm going to read this from the Amplified. In conclusion, be strong in the Lord. Be empowered through your union with him. Be empowered. Okay? Some of your translations say draw your strength from him. All right? Be empowered. Draw your strength from him, that strength which his boundless might provides. Okay, let's just talk about that just for a minute. So, these scriptures are saying that from the word of God, we are supposed to draw his strength. Draw his strength into us. All right, draw his strength into us. Uh, The scripture in a little bit is going to tell us, stand your ground. Draw his strength. Stand your ground. Overcome all of the strategies of the devil. We're going to read through that, but I'm just going to give you some of this ahead. That word strategies means well thought out plans and purposes to deceive. These are well thought out, practiced ideas. When the, when the devil comes, when demonic spirits come to draw you into temptation, to lie to you, to get you to believe a lie, it's not just an accident. The, the devil does know human beings. He doesn't have God's wisdom. He's not a creator. All he can do is mimic what God has. What he needs in this earth to be successful is to get you and I to lend him our authority by agreeing with a lie that he tells about God or about us or about life or about a situation. He needs us to agree with something that is contradictory to who God is and what God has said. And when we start to live according to that, or we start to let that out of our mouths, or we start to influence people with that, he is able to work through us, okay? But this scripture is saying, draw his strength into you. The picture there is not of us. It's of us coming before God needing strength, okay? We all all have weakness and and we need strength. It is not of us staying weak, It is of us drawing strength into us so that it can be released into this earth through us. All right, there's a whole theology out there about how we are supposed, that humility means we are always supposed to be weak. We are always supposed to be broken. We are always supposed to be, boy, we're just waiting for Jesus to come back and save us. And that is not the picture here. The picture here is God offers strength. And we are to actually draw that strength. Paul says in another place over in 2 Corinthians, he says that grace, God's grace, is a sufficient supply. In fact, the Lord said this to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, right? Paul went to him and said, man, I need this thing to change. God said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. That flow of divine life that comes through grace, that That is a sufficient supply of overcoming power for whatever it is we're facing. All right, now stay with me. So how do we access grace? Romans 5, 2. We access grace by faith, by putting trust in the Lord. We we tap into his grace by putting active reliance on God in a situation. Paul said in those same chapters, he said, when I am weak then am I strong. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. I'm strong in his might. He doesn't say, when I'm weak, I ask Jesus to just step in and do everything for me, and I stay weak. He doesn't say, I stay broken, and God's so good, he steps in and does it for me. He says, no, when I'm weak, and I put active reliance on the Lord, and I draw in his grace, I draw his strength, I become strong. Why? So that you can address the situation, so that you can set somebody else free, so that you can resist the devil and have him flee from you, so you don't have to lay awake in fear at night, so you don't have to worry constantly about your children, you don't have to worry constantly about what's coming down the road or what your life is going to look like. That's not where we live. Is this making sense to you? The Bible tells us draw, just like you would draw water. It's something you take into your life. David, David in the Old Testament said, he strengthened himself in the Lord. He didn't say, I went to the Lord and God did something good. He said, 
I went to the Lord and I learned how to draw his strength, to strengthen myself in the Lord. That doesn't mean we're leaving God out of the rest of it. It just means this is, this is his process. We are, we are not set here to just, to just be, be broken people that just never know what to do and we're just hoping God does something that's not what the scripture says. Is this making sense? I hope so. Okay, so let's go on. So, in fact, let's not go on. Let's go back to verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his uh, mighty power. I'm in the wrong translation again. Put on, put on, who's the subject of that? You, you, me, put on, okay? Not, I'm going to drop it on you. You, take something I'm giving you and do something with it, okay? Put on the whole armor of God. The armor, the Amplified says, of a heavy armed soldier, which God supplies. God supplies, we put on. Why? So that you may be able to successfully stand up against all the strategies. There's that word, well thought out strategies, plans, devices to deceive. Those are there to deceive. Okay? He has an idea of how to deceive you. All right? That's his strategy. We're going to be able to, we put on this armor, we'll be able to successfully stand up against all, not some, of the strategies and deceits of the devil. For we are not wrestling with flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, uh oh, but against the despotisms, against the powers, against the master spirits who are the world rulers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness and heavenly supernatural sphere. We are not wrestling with flesh and blood. We are not wrestling with flesh and blood. That person sitting next to you, no matter what it looks like, is not your problem. I make you say that to each other once in a while, don't I? I know on the authority of God's word that you are not my problem. Sometimes we say that during greeting time. This is where it comes from. We forget that a lot. We think a person, a politician, a system, something is the problem. That's not, that's not who we're fighting with. And fleshly weapons don't work against spiritual principalities. Okay, so God has given us spiritual weapons. So it says, uh, Therefore put on God's complete armor that you may be, may be able to resist and stand your ground. What is my ground? My ground is my salvation. My ground is uh, my relationship with the Lord. My ground is my marriage. My ground for many of you is your children. My ground is this community. My ground is you as a family. My ground is my nation. My ground is the world because Jesus said, go into all the world. My ground is all of those things. My ground is my place of business. My ground is where I work. That is my ground. And I am there not to get my way, but to release the life of God that he puts in me into that ground. I am there to 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 bring something, to bring that life into that, into that place. So he says, I'm going to switch to the NIV here because the fight gets really long. He says, and wait, one, sorry, one more verse. We doing okay? All right. He says, I love this. This is so important. He gives us this armor so that we can resist and stand our ground on the evil day of danger. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. Having done all, what does that mean? I'm going to the Lord and I'm drawing his strength. I am spending that time with him. I'm seeking his wisdom. I'm asking what my role is. I am, I'm standing on his word. I've done all to stand. Stand. That's next. Well, I've done all that. Okay, then stand. Well, I don't want to stand. I want to quit. Well, then quit. You'll lose, but quit. Well, I don't want to quit. I don't want to lose. Then stand. This is it. Okay, you got two choices here. You stand or you quit. It's always true for all of us. It's not a pleasant truth, but it is the truth. I face it the same as you do. It's like, you want to quit? Well, I know that won't go well. So yeah, my flesh wants to quit, but no, I'm going to stand. And we stand and we stand and we stand. And it's like, well, 
but if, if it doesn't change, is God going to be upset with me? No, he just told you to stand. You're just part of the equation here, okay? You're not the whole thing. We're just part of the equation for this community, for this nation, for our culture, for other nations. We're going to stand. We're going to pray. We're going to release what God puts in us to release. You're not responsible for all the rest. But he says, having done all to stand, stand. That's all I'm asking you to do. Just stand. Okay? And I'll give you the ability to do it. We got to hurry. Surprisingly, I'm running out of time. Okay, so it says then in verse 14, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So that's the word of God. In addition to all of this, Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. All right. So I just very quickly, again, very, very quickly, I just want you. He says, first of all, he mentions that belt of truth. Truth, Jesus said. Jesus said, truth is your word, Father. The Father's word is truth. So that's the whole overview of the word. It was a belt they wore that went around their whole middle. It held all the other pieces of armor. Some of the pieces of armor, there are defensive weapons, there are offensive weapons. The shield was attached front and back to the belt. So the shield of faith is attached to the belt of truth. All right, The sword hung on the belt of truth. All right, everything revolved around that, that central piece that strengthened that soldier, and that is truth. That is the overview. That is the fullness of God's word, all right? And then he talks about the breastplate of righteousness that actually was front and back on a Roman soldier, and it was attached. Righteousness is our position with the Lord. It is our position, our access, our are welcome into God's place. It is a position of right relationship with God. It guards our heart. It guards us to keep drawing from the word of God the truth about our righteous position. We don't let the devil tell us. We don't forget who we are. We don't forget who we belong to. We don't let him tell us we're worthless. We don't go down those roads. We have that breastplate in place. It says we stand on the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace specifically refers to the word of God that tells people that because of Jesus Christ, there is peace between God and man and they can make Jesus the Lord of their life. It says that we take up. So again, this is something we do. Okay, we take up that shield of faith and it says on that shield of faith, we can quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. All the lies that he sends your way will be quenched by faith rising up of your heart. Where does faith come from? Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and constantly hearing the rhema word of God that produces something that acts as a protective shield for our life. Does this make sense to you? Okay. And he, and he says, Take up the shield of faith. Take up the helmet of salvation. It guards my mind. I keep my mind fixed on who I am because of the salvation in Jesus Christ and what that means. It protects my mind. And then he says, okay, and this is where we're trying to get, take up, take up, don't just let it hang there. Take up the sword of the spirit, which is the rhema word of God. That's what it says in the literal text. Take up the sword of the Spirit. The, the literal text says, and the Amplified brings it out, take up the ram word, the word that the Spirit himself wields. That's the word that Jesus spoke to the devil. That's the word, the scripture that Jesus spoke was what the Spirit of God brought up in him in that moment, and he did something with it. He took it up. He didn't just think it and think, man, that's right. That's, you know, that's, that's what the devil said is not true because the Bible says this. No, he spoke it out. He prayed it out. He released it. And we need to do the same thing. Take up the sword. Isn't this, this is an incredible blessing from us, for us, 
to be able to wield the sword that the Holy Spirit himself is wielding on our behalf. So it says, take up the sword that the, that the Holy Spirit wields. All right, that's the literal translation. Where does the Holy Spirit live? He lives in you. He lives in me. Where is he going to fight from? Where is he going to release that word that needs to be addressed into a given situation? He's going to release it through us. Is this making sense to you? Okay. Boy, there's a bunch more to this I can't get into. I do want to bring out a lot of times when you hear teaching, and we'll just wrap it up here. There's a lot of stuff we could talk about, but we'll just wrap it up here. When you hear teaching on the armor, it usually stops right there. But he goes on to say, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Pray in the Spirit. That's a piece of your armor. It is in the list of the armor. It has been left out in a lot of teaching about the armor. The Roman soldier, if you look at good teaching on this, the Roman soldier also carried a lance. It was a long-distance weapon. That's what this is, praying in the Spirit. What does praying in the Spirit mean? Praying in the Spirit means praying in your prayer language, praying in other tongues, praying out from letting the Holy Spirit pray through you to address situations. And Paul talks about that. He says, how am I going to pray? I'm going to pray in my understanding, and I'm going to pray in the Spirit. I'm going to sing in my understanding. And I'm going to sing in the Spirit. And as we do that, as we pray, you pray in over a situation, you pray in the Spirit. If you've not been filled with the Holy Spirit, you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you know, I don't know where everybody is with that. I would love to pray for you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's a gift that Jesus gave us. It's Jesus called it the promise of the Father. And if you have questions about that, if you're not there yet, if you're not sure, you don't know what that means or whatever, I'd love to just give you some scriptures. You go home and you be with Jesus and you look at the scriptures and you pray about it and let him show you. I'm not here to twist your arm. I'm just saying this is a part of our life and a part of our armor and a part that we have, for the most part, many people in the church have laid down. When we get baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Lord gives us a prayer language. I'm not talking about giving messages in tongues to people. I'm talking about... You praying in the Spirit it bypasses your, your intellect that can only think so much. The Bible tells us this. And Paul said, I'll pray in the Spirit. And then things will come up on the inside and I'll pray in my understanding. I'll pray those things out in English for me. I'll, I'll pray them out in English and then I'll pray in the Spirit. And more things will come up. Scriptures, thoughts, things I know in my heart are coming from God. And I'll pray those out. I pray in the spirit, pray in my understanding. I sing in the spirit, sing in my understanding. I worship God in the spirit and worship him in my understanding. Okay. It's a part as the next piece of the armor in this list. If you believe all the rest of them, take a look, see what it says. Pray in the spirit at all times, on every occasion, with all kinds, all types of prayers and requests, all right? Paul talks about it over in Romans chapter eight. The Holy Spirit comes, meets us in our weakness, our place where we just don't know how to pray and he begins to pray through us, okay? All right, I gotta quit. I'm way late. Let's, let's stand up. We'll pray together, okay? Hoy. You know, I come in here on days like this, I've only got four slides, I'm really sure this time. I'm going to be done by like 10 to 11. We're going to be out there eating early. Never, ever happens. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I, I just pray this morning. I've dumped a lot of information here, but I trust in your spirit on the inside of every one of these people to highlight, bring the rhema word out of it for each of us in our own lives, in our own situations to bring those words that you need to highlight in our life. Lord, we take hold of those. We feed on those. We allow those words to go into us like seed and to produce tremendous fruit in us. And I do pray, Father, that and maybe there's somebody out online this morning. First of all, if there's anybody that has never received Jesus as the Lord of their life, Father, I pray that today would be the day that they would say yes to you. Your word says that all we need to do is believe in our heart, know in our heart that Jesus was raised from the dead 
and confess him as Lord in our life and we will be born again. We will enter into your kingdom. And Father, for those of us who have made that decision, Father, if there's anybody here, anybody out online, Lord, that has not yet received that baptism in the Holy Spirit that you gave us, I pray for them right now, Lord, that, Father, that you would speak to them and you would show them in your word. And Father, if we have a role in that, that's all the better. But Father, I just thank you for showing us and quickening in our hearts that we need that baptism, that saturation in the Holy Spirit. And we need, Lord, that power of your Spirit flowing through us. We need that prayer language because we don't know how to pray most of the time. And Lord, I thank you for all of that. I thank you for the gifts that you have given. I thank you for a people that take hold of your word and that speak it out and pray it out and stand on it in these different situations that we make a difference where we are in the spiritual world, that we resist the devil and he flees from us. And I just ask you to keep teaching us and training us in all of these areas, Lord, because not a one of us get it all. So we thank you for it. I thank you as we go out into this community this week, Lord, you have opportunities for us. You have places where we're going to step in and release your life. We thank you for that. We accept the assignment in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. All right, if you are here and you have questions, either about being born again or baptism in the Holy Spirit, and you'd like to talk about it, I'd, I'd love to talk to you about it. If you want me to pray for you to receive the Holy Spirit, I'd love to pray for you. If you want to go eat hot dogs, you can go eat hot dogs, okay? And we'll come back here in about 15, 20 minutes and uh, have our meeting today, okay? You ready? Say it on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world and will be dismissed. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. Go out there and be the church. You're listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org.